Welcome to the Happy Homeschooler Podcast, a digital support group for everyone interested in a learning lifestyle. I'm your host, Jennifer. I'm your co-host, Melody. I'm your co-host, Holly. Well, today we'll be discussing the very important topic of understanding your teens. But before we get to that, how have you guys been since we last talked? Oh, we've been so happy to have some rain and some cooler temperatures and start it's starting to feel a little bit like fall even though I know it's not going to be (laughs) it's a trick yes it's just a tease but um it's been fun to have a little bit of I guess just to have a change in the weather and so Mm -hmm. that's been fun and then we've had some family birthdays and getting together everybody's just getting back into the regular routine and that's been really good we haven't done anything unusual or out of the ordinary just sometimes it's like a sigh of relief, slip back into the routine, and then yeah. it just feels like you're getting more done somehow. How about y'all? Well, um, I'm in the throes of getting ready to go on a trip. I'm going to uh, Tucson to see my family next week. I'm going to be gone for five days. So I, I don't mean. know how, yeah, I haven't been to Tucson since my sister got married in March of 2019. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it's been a while. The, the, the nieces and nephews are growing up. Um, my great nieces and nephews, um, their parents are probably just about the same, but I don't know <laughs> what y'all do when you're getting ready to go on a trip, but I've already like planned a capsule wardrobe and I have it hanging in my spare closet and I, I've got my suitcase ready. And you're already, ready to go. <laughs> well, I, you know, I like, yeah, I like to um to have a really good plan and not be thrown things in at the last minute. Yeah. Um that would really stress me out. And plus I'm I'm going to try to go with just a carry-on because you know how the airlines have been about mm-hmm. canceling flights and yeah, I don't that's want smart. to be Yeah, I don't want to be in Tucson and my luggage is in I don't know, you know, Michigan. Um so Very so we're smart. doing that. Jen, what about y'all? Well, we actually haven't been much to, up to much of anything lately. We really, just with the rain and stuff, it's kind of kept us inside. So we've really had some downtime, I guess, <laughs> which is nice. We don't have any big, we don't start our uh, co-op classes and things like that for a few weeks. So we're just kind of taking it easy and hanging around the house and watching game, you know, TV and playing games and things like that lately. Yeah, we're... Um... The reason I planned my trip for the dates I did is because the day after I get back, we are kicking off our first field trip. Um, I signed up for these field trips that the Meadows Center mm-hmm. has in San Marcos, what used to be Aquino yeah. Springs. So the first field trip is that day. And so I was like, okay, I have a small window <laughs> and my son's going to be doing the um, Healthy Kids Running Series yeah, again. Starts. And that starts up on the 18th. That's kind of where I'm at. We're kind of sitting back and waiting for all these things are about to start. So we're not doing much right now. Yeah, and then you'll be off running. So let's get to talk about our subject today. It's a big one. Everybody who has teenagers knows there's a lot to discuss. Um, teenagers themselves are going through some huge changes, uh, developmentally, emotionally, academically, all of those things. So today we're going to talk about their special needs and what we can do as parents to help them and and how we can help ourselves as parents as well. So how do you feel about approaching the teenage years? Well, um, you know, we used to think of teens as like 13, starting Mm -hmm. at 13. But I really think, you know, I have my son is about to turn 10 and um, his I have friends who also have kids that just turned 10. They're 
they're all about the same age, a couple months different one way or the other. And we were just talking last Friday about, yeah, they're really kind of one foot in the teen world, you know, absolutely talking about, you know, should we tell them to use deodorant? And I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah. So, um, so I think really, you know, we need to think of teens, early teens as being 10, starting mm-hmm. at age 10. Um, so to I me, you know, they that. just, yeah. and then they just get more and more teenagery <laughs> with every yes. year until you're <laughs> solidly in those teen years. What, what about you, Melody? Well, I, for us, it kind of depends on the kids. So some of them mature a little later, some mature a little earlier, but we do watch for those hormonal changes like needing deodorant, but also needing more sleep or yes. their whole sleep cycle shifts later in the day. They stay up later. Mm-hmm. They want to stay up later. They want to get up later. And then for my boys, suddenly they eat twice as much <laughs> as my husband, like two and a half times. Like, wow, y'all are hungry people. And since we always sat down and had our meal time around the table and we all just sat there, it's like, they're wanting seconds, they're wanting thirds. I'm like, <laughs> wow. So I'm now I'm at the other end of that where I'm having to learn how not to cook so much Me food too. because I don't have all these hungry boys here anymore. Oh, it's but so hard. All those little things, well, <laughs> it is. But you're just watching for changes. Yes. They're turning into young people and not little children. Mm-hmm. And just to know that it's coming and to lay some good foundations for communication right. Before they hit those years where they really aren't sure they want to talk to anyone, yeah, um, all of those things really helped us. We were always big about sitting around the table, eating and talking and eating and talking, and that continued on through the mm-hmm. teen years. I think just because it was a habit, yeah, and the way we that's did things. So important. But it is because if they'll tell you things that they're thinking when they're little, yeah, you want to know what they're thinking. The older they get, the more uh, other influences they're exposed to, and you want to know what they're thinking or you know if they have questions you want them to be comfortable right with just and if you're setting up you about anything. if you're setting that pattern up when they're younger and we're talking about you know preparing to be a parent to a teen but some of that even begins when they're very young like you said if you start these these patterns and these habits especially with talking to each other if you start those early on i mean preschool early on um and it's a habit for your family then they'll continue that you know, as they become more private when they're older too, they'll they'll come to you first if they've already been doing that. Yeah. And you can't be, you you can't be shocked. Yes. You know, um, well, I always, you might be, but, well, right, but you yourself. can't show it. So, yeah. So I, I've always tried to be, um, I guess the term you call is unflappable so that they could tell me things. And, and you're right. It does start well before that. Mm-hmm. And, and they can ask you some questions and you're like, Oh, okay. Wow. Um, you might not really be prepared for that right, question. And that's okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. We have, we have each other and we have Google. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I was uh, getting perturbed with uh, my son because he's been a little snarky lately. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was thinking, oh, were my other kids this snarky this early? <laughs> but I've never parented an only child before. It is different. So I, yeah, it is different. And I went and looked at some parenting websites and, and I was like, oh yeah, okay, good. I, I feel like he's, this is normal. normal. And yeah. And, uh, you know, so there are lots of resources out there. Um, I remember when I had my first kid though, and I didn't, my friends didn't have kids. Yeah. 
and I didn't have, and you know, I didn't really have anybody could ask. Mm-hmm. So if you know people who've already gone through it and they're still walking and talking, it's they got, helpful. they got good yeah. info to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and then I knew people who they they had teenage t- children, but may, but they didn't get along so well. And I wanted something different mm-hmm. for us. Yeah. And so then it was like, look around and find those families that have the kind of togetherness you want. Yeah. Listen to that. That's great. Those parents' ideas. I think that's a great idea. And I, you know, for our listeners, the three of us here today have a lot of uh, experience with teenagers of all varying degrees. How many do we have all together? I have seven. I have eight kids. I'm on my last two teenagers right now. And I have six and I'm on my last 10 year old right now. (laughs) Yeah. So you're about to enter the teen years again for your last time, probably. Um, And I have my last two. They're uh, 14 and 15 right now. So I've been through six teenagers and Melody's been through all seven already. Um, It's a lot. (laughs) And then sometimes you... Both of you, you have multiple teenagers in your home yes. at a time. And so then that was a different kind of challenge. Absolutely. Because you're having to equip them to be able to t- communicate with each yes. other in a respectful way. And, you know, lots of things. I guess I had teenagers around for 20 some right. years but right. because they all overlapped <laughs> with each other. I will say that like, that wow. doesn't make us experts, but we do have a lot of experience. But I think with teens, especially that you can never really be an expert because there's always something new that comes up and you're learning right along with them the entire time. It depends on each child. Yeah. I, I, I was watching, um, I guess it was a psychologist. I watched some little reels and she said, no child in a family ever gets the same parents. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that is absolutely true because you are a different parent because you have different experiences to bring to that next kid. And those are different kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your life might be different. Like when I first started um, being a parent, I was a stay-at-home mom. And then I had to start working part-time and I worked out of the home. Now I work part-time in the home. So, you know, my circumstances are different. And this number six kid, he's different. And, you know, we're at a different stage of our parenting. We call it parenting 2.0. Uh, with Liam because we had we thought we were done when our youngest daughter turned 18 and then we started all over so um, you know yeah your kids don't get the same parents right and for some of the kids that's really good because you've learned (laughs) more things you know your oldest is your guinea pig and um, Uh they were the ones who made you a parent right you know what are some of the other ways you guys would suggest people prepare themselves to be a parent of a teen? We talked about how, you know, especially setting up patterns where you confide in each other, have table talk and things like that. What are some other specific ways we can help people prepare to parent a teen? Well, I think first of all, you have to realize that that's still your same child. Like they don't go into their bedroom and come out like, you know, a werewolf because the moon is <laughs> It might risen. feel that way though. <laughs> you know, yeah. But I, I mean, I think some people are so afraid of teenagers yes. that they build up this worry and, you know, that's still your kid. Mm-hmm. And that, that's that kid that you hug when they, when they skin their knee. And that's the kid you're going to hug when they have their first broken heart. Right. They're still your kid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just... Just kind of remember that. Absolutely. Right. And another thing, a, a huge thing, is to be sure you're you're skilled at talking and listening. Yes. And that you all have ways to say, like, just to know when they're telling you something, you don't know what to say. If you need to think about it, to, to have that as part of your 
communication style. Let me yes. think about that. I don't have an answer for mm-hmm. you That's right such now. a good point. You know, mm-hmm. I don't, just like, basically, let's, well, I have to think about this. Um, and we did that all along, but it was really beneficial with those yes. teenage, with those teenage years. Sometimes they just need you to validate that they are feeling a certain way. And you're like, yes, your feelings are your feelings, mm-hmm. but you can't express them like that. Right. Here's, you know, what can you do instead? So before they actually hit those years, you've already started working with them so that they can talk to people without, you know, flying mm-hmm. off the handle or whatever. Some of my sons <laughs> would, you know, it was easier for them to get a little bit angry about things. We're like, okay, well, so that makes you angry and I understand why, but go outside and use the punching yeah. bag or, you know, go run some laps. And also to recognize, I mean, anger is like a different thing, but to recognize before you get to your boiling over spot. Right. That you're going that way. It's like, can we dial it back? Mm-hmm. Can we calm down? Can we figure it out? Well, and understanding and then, that that's fueled by testosterone. Mm-hmm. Well, and they're yeah. not. But, <laughs> but some so people, much. I think that a lot of people are uncomfortable with thinking about those kinds of things. Yes. Like, my my child has these hormones and these feelings. Um, and that's why they're behaving this way. Those thoughts are sometimes uncomfortable. For mm-hmm. the parent, because the parent is like, well, that's a big feeling and I'm an adult and I don't, right. I don't know how to handle that. Yes. You know, reading, doing a lot of reading as you're going into these teen years about mm-hmm. what's going on with your child and, you know, and, and we're going to talk probably about that in more, in more depth, but, you know, doing a lot of reading. I love that. Um, yeah. About what to expect mm-hmm. when you get there will help you not to be so shocked by somebody who's super angry over something that seems really, really not a big deal, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, but understanding that at that moment, their hormones are rushing in and they can't even think coherently at that time. Right. Right. Yeah. Or they might be super emotional Mm -hmm. uh, for my young ladies at certain times of the month. And you're like, oh my goodness, you know, you've got, okay, hormones. Most moms understand that Mm because we go through the same thing, but but just to recognize what's going on and to talk about that with your children. Exactly. Physical right. things are happening. Another thing is like they suddenly start growing and now the end of their arm is like several <laughs> inches out oh, further right. than it used to be. And they're clumsy and knocking right. things over. And so just recognizing there is a lot going on in those yes. years. physical changes, oh. hormonal changes. There, It's so much going on right. all the time. And, uh, and then on top of that, we're also giving them more and more responsibility, mm-hmm. which they want because they want to do their own thing, but they're not quite ready. You can't just dump it on them all right. at once and expect them to just sail off into the sunset <laughs> little by little. You got like, here's a little responsibility. Let's see how you do with that. It's like, oh, that either went well or it's like, okay, well, <laughs> let's, let's try that again. But I guess it's just like knowing where you're going and having some some kind of a awareness that it's going to take some time, a, a few steps forward, a few steps back. But you're you're on their team, yes. you know. We're all mm-hmm. on this team together, going walking alongside them as they mature into adulthood. And I know you mentioned people being afraid of teens. I I just think it's because sometimes we forget they're. They're trying to figure it out mm-hmm. and they feel differently and they look differently and they are just having to become comfortable with this new, more grown up version of themselves. And so 
there's so many moving parts with yeah. those oh, yeah. Yeah. kids at that time. I remember being a young girl, probably about sixth or seventh grade. And I would just, oh my gosh, I was just so angry at really everything. everything. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I told my son recently, cause he was, he was just really cranky for a number of days in a row. And I said, you know what? Let's talk about this. Like, mm -hmm. do you know why you feel so grumpy? And he's like, no, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, because your body Aww. is changing and your brain has new chemicals in it, but they're, but they come in big bunches, you know, and, and then your body's like, your brain and body are like, I don't know what to do with this. It's too much. And I said, I was so angry at my mom and I would go in my room and yell into my pillow and, and punch my bed, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, that's normal to feel right. all upset you know and he was like you could just see on his face he was like oh I'm not a crazy person <laughs> you know um and we have to help them because they've never been through this before right that's so and, good and that we you all spoke have, to them about you know? it too I think a lot of people yeah. uh are scared to talk about it with their kids um I think a lot I, I think parents become defensive sometimes in these years because their kids that were loving and <laughs> peaceful suddenly become you know, angry and combative and things like that, that they, they did, haven't seen from that child before. And then parents mm -hmm. sometimes tend to become defensive. And instead of trying to be more understanding about all the things we're talking about, parents also put their guards up, you know, and don't want to discuss those things. And I've, I've, you know, heard parents say like, they don't, it's a, it's an excuse, you know, to say that it's hormones and things and that, you know, their kids can't act that way, even if that's what's happening and stuff like that. But so allowing yourself to talk about it, even if you're not comfortable talking about it is very important because they do need to oh, hear yeah. that it's normal and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then to say, you know, you might be really angry. Like I said, yeah. Yeah, you can be angry, but then you have to figure we out have, a way to be mm -hmm. be polite about it. You know, right? Can't can't call somebody names or throw something at them. You know, you say, "I'm feeling really mad right now. I need I need some time in my room, so I can talk nicely to you." Which is what my son said one time. And I was like, "Great, that's that's, that's perfect. Great. I'd rather that you did that." <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a it's a work to get ready for. Teens. It is. But if if you do that work, and you have laid down a good foundation, teenage years will be so much better i, I love so. my team me too i love it too it's one of my favorite times actually it really is fun too because all the work that you've been doing with these children all along suddenly they're just becoming this really pleasant person sometimes there's hiccups along the way but it is really rewarding to have I those teenagers so. mm -hmm. in your house Another way that I think we can prepare to parent our teens is by allowing them opportunities to have other adults in their lives that they talk to and other mentors that they can talk to. Because we're covering like how to talk to them as parents and have that relationship be open. But sometimes as they approach the teen years, they don't want to talk to the parents about everything. And allowing them opportunities to have relationships with other adults in your life, which you, you know, would foster before they're teenagers, obviously. So this is part of preparation for these years, um, is a really valuable resource. If they have other adults that they feel like they can go to, if they have questions or things they want to talk about that they're not comfortable coming to you about necessarily. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. For my kids, it's, you know, we're in a 
group of homeschoolers that have been very close. So other parents in, in the homeschool group that they've known since they were very young, and they think of them as like second moms and second dads, and, and they do turn to them sometimes, and their children turn to me sometimes um, to, you know, just run ideas by us, usually as a like, safeguard before they talk to their parents. They want to kind of see how it goes first with someone else, you know? Um, so that can be very valuable and it can be, you know, their coaches, their, you know, dance mm-hmm. teacher, their, your family, friends, anybody, people that you trust, but that you've worked on forming relationships with uh, that are in your children's lives. Yeah. For my kids, a lot of times it was the, their church youth group, uh, the leaders. Right. Of the youth yeah. Group. That's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the co-op group, mm-hmm. or it's one of the reasons when we talked about preparing to parenting, make sure you have that community, yes. that network of like-minded mm-hmm. families and people you feel comfortable with, and it's all part of that, but same with us. It was like the youth group people and those kids' parents, mm-hmm. and, and then my kids would talk to each other. And yeah. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. So in general, what we're saying is, even though teenage years might seem like they're scary, you shouldn't be afraid of your teenagers. We all have had a lot of positive experiences with our teens, and we know you will too. All of our listeners will, even though there are things you need to work on in between. We're going to take a break to hear a word from our sponsor, and when we return, we'll discuss the various needs and pitfalls of the teenage years. School's back in session, and for parents of teenagers, it's time to start building your transcripts. Whether senior or freshman, it's never too early to make a high school transcript. College admissions, scholarship and grant programs, and even advancement in the workforce all need a transcript. But how do you get one of your own? It's easy. What you're going to do is head straight to www.transcriptmaker.com and use their 14-day free trial to give their app a test drive. You'll see how easy it is to use with an intuitive user interface and an expert helpline if you have any trouble. Transcript Maker is leagues better than a desk full of scratch paper and hours of laborious calculation. Your GPA will appear on your transcript like magic. All you do is input the courses and grades and the rest is done for you. And with Transcript Maker's cloud storage, you can access and edit your transcript anywhere and anytime. But here's the best news. August 23rd through September 30th, you can save 40% off your Transcript Maker subscription by using the promo code FALL22. That's F-A-L-L-2-2 in all caps. Don't wait another minute. Go to www.transcriptmaker.com today. Transcript Maker. Simply Better Transcript. Welcome back to the podcast. In the first half, we discussed how to prepare to parent a teen. And in this half, we'll be discussing their needs and the potential pitfalls in detail. So we're all homeschoolers here. And homeschooling in the teenage years can become very different than than what it's looked like for you before. So let's talk about academics and how to approach those in the teen years. I have kind of two schools of thought on uh, academics in high school. Obviously, we want to start um, giving our kids some more uh, say-so or some more autonomy Mm -hmm. on the things they're going to be doing. But I think we need to temper that sometimes for kids who maybe aren't quite as mature and make sure we are not letting them, you know, go down a path that's not going to be very rewarding. Mm -hmm. That sounds all, you know, really vague, but in my experience, <laughs> so uh, so for my kids, they each had something that they were interested in. When my middle daughter was going into high school, she had a really strong need for social interaction with her schooling. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, we had already said that public school was off the table, so that wasn't going to be an option. Uh, so we looked, I looked around for something that would meet that need for her, and we found a co-op. And so um, the co-op offered some classes that, you know, be hard for me to teach at home, mm-hmm. like acting. It's kind of hard <laughs> to teach acting, you know, <laughs> in your family. Um, she got to have some leadership opportunities in the co-op where she was uh, the editor of the co-op uh, yearbook. Mm-hmm. And so it gave her some social interaction that it was going to be hard to fulfill in our home. Um, but it was still with my purview of this options off the table. Yeah. So if you take an option off the table, you have to be prepared to give them something. Right. And she took some outside classes. Also, at that time, she took algebra and she took uh, biology with some other people. And for, for her, that was a perfect fit. But then we, we came to my next child who didn't think he wanted to go outside the home for anything. And I said, you know, I've learned a few things. And parents, you know, f- feel free to tell your kids, hey, I learned something. I didn't do this with your elder yes. brother mm-hmm. or sister, but I've learned something. And I said, let's go check out the famous academy where Jen and I met. <laughs> let's go check out this academy. <laughs> yeah. And my, my two youngest kids were like, well, you don't want to do that. And we went to the open house. And on the way home, they were both very excited to tell me all about these classes they wanted to go to. And they really enjoyed their experience there. Mm-hmm. My my older son was 18, and he actually only went to the academy for one semester because then he went on to become an intern with the Kung Fu teacher who had come to do mm-hmm. a class at that academy. My youngest daughter, she was on a totally different path. She was really interested in going to community college and earning high school and college credit at the same time. So, um, you know, I like, okay, this fits because mm-hmm. I wanted my kids to all have a academically rigorous course of instruction so that whatever they wanted to do, they could do it. And so I I had my input as a parent and my long range, I know things that you don't know, (laughs) planning, you know, but they had options within that framework. Mm -hmm. And those are options that you can find almost anywhere you live. There's going to be some kind of dual enrollment with a community college, or you can find something online, which is not exactly the same as far as, you know, if meeting some kind of a social need along with that economic instruction. But those are good. Those are good things to mention because you can find those classes, those outside classes in almost any community. And it might be 4-H. It might be the community college. It might be a Mm co-op. It may just be like a small group, like an independent standalone class that pops up that someone hosts um, that'll work for something that your student needs. But that is that time when they do have some definite ideas or interests that you want to capitalize on and help them cultivate. And, you know, if it's something that could roll over into some kind of income later on or a career for them, you're just becoming more aware of those interests and trying to guide them to resources that they need. And that worked well for us, too. We did kind of a smattering of the same things. How do you handle that as an unschooler, Jen? So with my kids, as we they got older as an unschooler that's when it really we really really encourage their independence and they're really in charge of most of their academic decisions and interestingly that turned out for my kids to mean they decided to do more academics than they previously had because I think I've talked about this before where I meet with my kids and we kind of set goals or they set goals and I help support them. And we do that every year. And as they get older and they're looking at towards their future and what they want, I've asked them to look at how they get to where they 
want to be, right? So they figure out what they need to do to get there. So like one of my daughters wants to go to medical school. So she knew she needed to get into a certain college and a certain program and, and had to go find out on her own how she could do that, what was required, what she would need to do to get into the schools, uh, what she would need to study for, uh, you know, solid transcript for those schools and things like that. And then as, after that point, find the ways to teach herself those things. And some of it involved classes, some of it was textbooks, some of it was online. And each of my kids did this in very different ways because they all wanted different things. One of my daughters was not interested in uh, higher education and she wanted to go travel the world in, in a van. And so she spent two years of her teenage life redoing a van and setting it up and, and learning how to do that on her own and learning uh, about the country and where she was going to visit and how to do that. During those years, really encourage them to make all of their own choices. And of course, I guide them uh, and there's feedback involved. But as far as their academics go, it's, it's very much been just tailored to what do you want to do and how do you need to get there? Um, and I actually have a book that I'd like to recommend. It's for unschoolers, but it's really a great book for any parents who homeschool who are looking at going into the teenage years. And the book is for teenagers, but I definitely recommend parents read it before handing it off. It's called The Teenage Liberation Handbook, How to Quit School and Get a Real Life in Education. And it's by Grace Llewellyn. And it really gives teenagers some autonomy and shows them how they can make those choices for themselves. And it gives very concrete examples and all kinds of resources. And it's like, for example, it has a, an entire chapter on, you know, math and how can you teach yourself math? And then it shows all these different options of how a, a student in their teen years can teach themselves math and it gives all the resources, websites, books, all of that. But it also shows them like, if you're interested in a certain business, here's how you can get it started. And basically it's taking it out of the hands of the adults around them and saying, hey, you guys are, are old enough now. You can take some ownership over this and make these choices and start it. And you can actually make a difference in where you're headed on your own. So that's how we've kind of approached academics with our teenagers. But I think it's actually quite similar to what you guys do. It's just less formal instruction, I guess. Yeah, I think I'm probably not brave enough to let go of some of the structure. Um, mm -hmm. So one of the things that I, I found a book, and I know Melody has also talked about this book. It's by Barbara Shelton. It's called Senior High, A Home Design Form You Love. And the really cool thing about this book is that the woman who wrote it tells you how to use the things your kids are interested in or the things mm -hmm. they're doing in creating high school courses or credits out of them that's great so I, yeah 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 and so um she's um she's a christian and so everything is written from that perspective but it can help anybody to look at what their kids are doing mm -hmm. and create a credit so for instance my oldest son was not a very athletic person but he did uh, and i think i've talked about this in another podcast it's just an example that i think shows you what you can do so he he did have a dog and he walked his dog every day, very faithfully, several times a day. And he um, he also played disc golf. So we made those be PE credits. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we just looked at what he did and, and we're like, okay, he's doing this. He should get a credit for it. And that's kind of the idea of the book. 
I did that a lot, you know, as an unschooler, we took all, all the things they did and, and turned them into credits. But that yeah. brings us to the next topic. We want to cover what are the physical needs of teenagers and getting them out there and doing actual physical activity is a big thing. They might not choose to do that on their own necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> so what are the other physical needs we need to be aware of as our teens are changing? Well, the beginning of the podcast, we did mention needing more sleep. Yes. It's a, a really unique opportunity for us as homeschoolers mm-hmm. because if they need to sleep later in the morning, that's yes. fine. You can arrange your day to accommodate that need and then they can be up later getting their work done. And it depended on what season of life we were in as a family as far as newborns and toddlers mm-hmm. and everybody, uh, whether or not I maybe I needed help from that older child. But that was one area where it's like, we can adjust whatever, we can adjust our schedule or routine, I should say, however we want right. to. And so if it's better for you to do math after lunch, go right ahead. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, they're just sitting there looking at that page. Yeah, they'll be so much more successful not, that way. Yeah. <laughs> brains haven't clicked on yet. And so you can adjust your schedules to uh, accommodate their physical need. That is, if they need the sleep. They really need, and then they, they just, everything shifts. Yeah, their circadian rhythm is definitely different. Yes. (laughs) Definitely different. A lot of my teens uh, would get a job that would require some other demands on their time. So then they need, they got to learn. I was like, okay, I got to get my schoolwork done by this time. So I'm going to have to get up earlier than I want to. So I can get things finished before I go to my job. And so, and that's just another thing you have to learn for life, right? right? Sometimes you get to do things you don't love. You just get to do them mm-hmm. anyway. Doesn't really matter how you feel about it. So that was, that was one thing. And then uh, we mentioned um, eating. I know boys, <laughs> they ate so much. It was amazing. Just for a while. And then it would dial back. When, like they, But they also physically shot up your yes. foot or something. There's turning into these big men so it's like I just wasn't really I wasn't expect I knew it was coming but when it actually <laughs> happened with my oldest son it was still a surprise and then of course about the time he wasn't eating any as much the middle son <laughs> starts eating so much and we just kept up with these huge appetites but there are those kinds of things mm-hmm. uh, it's important to, to make mind. sure that you have good healthy food in the house yes for your kids to eat because I know a lot of people they'll just resort to you know like buying chips and like oh you know they're so they eat all, all this stuff but like my kids uh, we didn't ever have the budget to really buy those kinds of things nor did I want us to be having chips and and things like that so we would we would make our own food we mm-hmm. would bake cookies we and and sometimes they were hungry and I'd say you know go get some fruit or go get Uh, some vegetables and if you weren't hungry enough to eat a banana or an apple or some grapes then you just weren't hungry you didn't eat it (laughs) yeah you know but good nutrition it's also good for their skin you know when they're in these teen years they a lot of kids struggle with um, skin issues Mm -hmm. Um, you know so getting them some good skin products and encouraging them when they're younger we're going through this right now I said to my son did you wash your face I bought him some face wash I explained to him if you don't take care of your skin, you know, your your skin will get clogged and you'll get pimples. It's not comfortable. It's not, you don't want to go around like that. You know, right now I'm having to like go back in and wash your face. Yes. Every day you have to wash your face. <laughs> but, you know, in another couple of years, that habit will be there. Yeah. And then he'll be, he'll be used to taking care of his skin. 
Um, you know, but you want to get them good products and you want to ask them, you know, hey, do you think you might need this kind of product or right. would you like a different toothpaste mm-hmm. or, you know, things so that they can look and feel their best. Yes. Uh, my mother, you know, she bought one kind of toothpaste. Everybody mm-hmm. had to use the same toothpaste, but we have all different kinds of toothpaste in our family mm-hmm. because we're not People a like different things, right? We like different things. Liam doesn't like mint. That is really a bothersome <laughs> thing to him. So yeah, you know, um, ask him what they need and encourage them to to take good care of themselves. Yeah, you know, to eat well and to get out there and get some kind of exercise. And they'll all they'll all be different, right? Right. But it's important to let them know why you eat the way you eat. Mm-hmm. Like for like you mentioned, and one of our catchphrases was always real food for real mm-hmm. people. We wanted like what is real food? And they're, I've said that before, where they look around, they're hungry. It's like, go find something. It's like, oh, there's ingredients to make food. There's just no food. (laughs) (laughs) All of that's so important for their physical needs, because one of the big struggles during teen years is body image and self-confidence. And if you can help them in these ways to be the healthiest they can be by eating healthy, by getting some exercise and things like that, it'll really help them feel better about their physical body while they're growing and changing. Yeah, they'll feel more confident too. You know, when Mm -hmm. you go out and you you do some physical things, um, you gain confidence from the stuff you've done. Even if the physical thing is maybe you were helping to build a wall with cement blocks or you were mowing the yard or any of those things. When you look back, you you know you made a contribution and your body got some activity, especially my boys when they were getting those testosterone, uh, you know, they were trying to dominate me because they had all this testosterone. They're trying to boss me around and I'd be like, hey, you know what? Here's a job that you can go out and do. Um, One of my sons, I gave him the job to replace all the light bulbs. So he got the stepladder and he Mm -hmm. replaced light bulbs and he he felt like he was doing a manly thing. Felt like he had something, you know, he was contributing to. They, They all liked to go my my father-in-law would ask them to come over and help him with stuff and he would pay them mm-hmm. um and the the two older boys you know they they always came home like yeah you know pop-up said i was a good worker and mm-hmm. i and, and they felt good about yeah. having done those things and same thing you know with girls they might like to do car repair or you mm-hmm. know a guy might want to cook my older oldest son loves to cook you know but getting them real things to do Yes. Um, and real world skills and good food that they can prepare, you know, it's it's really helpful and it bonds you with them. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not all the chores. Some of the chores. Are like, I, hate, <laughs> I hate that you made me do that chore. But, you know, my kids would be really happy to but get in the kitchen. Know how. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody loves chores, but, but this is also a good time to talk to them about, you know, why the importance that will hopefully you've already been doing that. But, but if they're understand, if they understand why you're doing it and why they're, can, how they're contributing to the household, that'll, that'll yeah. help with that too. Well, and socially, you know, nobody likes a person who doesn't contribute. So right. it's important. And I mean, I guess we kind of jumped ahead, but that's um, okay. <laughs> you know, but but in order for people to be able to get along in a group, they have to understand they have to contribute. Yeah. You're not doing your kids any favors by doing all the stuff for them. And then they're, they're just That's the person right. who expects people to do for them. So let's talk a little bit more about the social needs of teenagers. As homeschoolers, we, we're always kind of addressing social needs because we want to make sure our kids, you know, get out and are around other people. But as as teenagers, it starts to change a little bit because they need more of their own 
you know, social group that we're no longer involved in. So what, what are the kind of things that you guys have done to address the social needs of your teenagers? What I'm noticing uh, right now, you know, like I said, we, I have a, an almost 10 year old. He wants to be able to communicate with his friends. Um, he uses kid mess- messenger. Yeah. Kids. And I'm really comfortable with that because that gives parents the tools to see what the communication has been, or they can call each other. Right. Um, there's a lot of pressure already at this age to give kids cell phones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they can get into situations that are over their heads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Instagram. Yeah. I've heard horrible things about how people target young kids, especially girls on mm-hmm. Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we have to be thinking again at the beginning, like what kind of social things are we going to um, allow them to do? Right. And how do we gradually get them to where they do have more autonomy right so there and there are lots of organizations that um, that can help us as parents as we're taking those steps you know walking up that ladder to um, more social the you know the online social things Mm -hmm. so there's that component so for uh for meeting social needs for my older kids that's when we started to getting into co-ops or outside classes or youth civic organizations um, that's when they started, they would meet people at their, at their co-ops and then the people would have a party or they'd have a, let's all go to a movie, those mm-hmm. kind of things, you know, and, and for me as a parent, I always wanted to know the parents of those kids Yes. Um, in yeah. some way, shape that's or really form. Important. Yeah. And so that we parents could keep communication open. We could watch out for our kids right. together. We just did it on a little each year, you know, or as your child, as our children matured, Mm -hmm. we could give them a little more of that go out and enjoy and hang out kind of a thing. Yeah. So I wouldn't say just throw them out there. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because you don't, you don't know, you don't know what, what homes they're going into and what, what the people are like there if you haven't made relationships. I think as homeschoolers, we're really uniquely in a good position for that because we normally, I'd say as homeschoolers, your social group is people that you get to know on a really good level, you know, Mm -hmm. and that those are people that your kids kind of grow with too. So we tend to know the parents of other kids more, I think, than kids that are in school and get more more time to be able to do that and to know our kids' friends as well, because I think that's important for their socialization is that you are, that you know the other teenagers that they are with um, and that you have some type of relationship with them as well. The thing is, though, if you think about it, so for those of us who are long-term homeschoolers and we've been in the trenches from the beginning, Mm -hmm. um, we do have that luxury. But you know, since the pandemic, a lot of people have come into homeschooling. That's true. And Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily know the people in these groups or they might not even be that connected. Um, but they might have relationships already with other people. Like mm-hmm. we have some friends that my son's been friends with since he was four. We call uh, it's a, another boy and a girl. We call the kids the three peas in the pod, <laughs> and their their moms. Uh, we're all yeah, we're all uh, we're all close, and so uh, but they're one's in a charter school, one's in a public school. Mm-hmm. But again, they they are our close friends. Yes, uh, we we know each other. We know each other's kids, and we um, we hang out together. So yeah. if you're just coming into homeschooling with your teen, which is a lot of people's situation. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, you might not know the other homeschoolers as well, mm-hmm. but you should already have some folks while you're building right. homeschool right. relationships. Yeah, um, and then going in, 
going into homeschooling, if you are starting out at the teen years, make yourself aware of those opportunities, like things like mm-hmm. park days and things where there are older kids attending. The parents usually do stay and stick around and socialize themselves. And that's mm-hmm. a really good opportunity to get to know each other. So take advantage of those instances, too. And a lot of places have, you know, homeschool dances yeah. or pop-up sports type things where kids can just get together and, you know, play a game of volleyball or whatever, you, mm-hmm. you know, encourage your teens to, to go to that because they, they may feel awkward. They don't know right. anybody at first, you know, so you have to help, um, help smooth that way. I do also want to say um, that homeschooling isn't immune from bullying. Absolutely um, true. Mm-hmm. You know, true. Uh, it's not immune from from all kinds of social cliques and pecking orders. Right. Um, Cause kids are still kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, you want to kind of watch out for that. Uh, I was really, I, I was watching uh, parents yesterday. We went to a um, homeschool social, a park day and I was watching parents talking to their kids like, Hey, do you see that girl over there? Well, they're new. And, mm-hmm. and can you go over and say hi to her and ask her yeah. to play? And that's the one thing, thing I think that's really nice about homeschooling. Um, even when your kids are in the teen years yes. and you're all at a big thing and you can say, you can just say to the kid, Hey, this is Susie. She was, uh, in, you know, Jordan high school, but they're homeschooling right. this year. Can you tell her, can you take her to meet some of the other kids? You know, mm-hmm. um, right. you can help smooth that over a little bit without mm-hmm. really hugely embarrassing them. But there, all the issues that you have in public school can still be present in the yes. homeschool world. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one of the reasons why when you invite the kids over, you kind of hang out together with an ear to listen for those kinds Mm -hmm. of things. Because a lot of the times kids at this age don't know how to diffuse a situation or they haven't come across someone talking to someone like that, especially not especially if they're coming from sometimes a public situation and maybe it wasn't very positive. Mm -hmm. They've just got a different way of relating to people and your kids may not be ready to or just to have the words to say, hey, cut that yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Here. You know, so you kind of have to listen. And sometimes you are going to be coaching. We really do a lot of coaching yeah. with yeah. our teenage kids. Like like that you, example you gave, she's new. Go mm-hmm. over and introduce her to people. And So I always tr- was aware of listening for those situations, trying to step in before those conversations got out of hand. Right. But still give them their space. Like not a hover mother, but just around with an ear for what's going on. That's true no matter what age your kids are. Bullies can be really young kids and really old kids. For social situations, it's really important with teenagers. If you can kind of role play, talk about like, what would you do in this situation and what are your mm-hmm. options? Because these are, these are the years where they will have social situations that haven't occurred before. Things like introductions to drugs and alcohol and, or just breaking rules and things like that. Well, mm-hmm. those things will come up in their teen years. And so if you have sat down and kind of role played what we do in these situations, what our expectations are as parents, what their options are for ways that they can feel safe in those situations and, Mm -hmm. you know, extract themselves from those situations. Uh, Another big social issue that comes up is dating. And so you kind of need to decide what, you know, what are your family rules and boundaries and guidelines, and you need to make sure you're very clear about that with your kids and, and 
ahead of time, before it happens, before they right, start Right, so dating. you're not <laughs> dropping a bomb on yes. me. Yes. Oh, Bob asked me out. I'm so excited. Nope. <laughs> That's not any way to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. They need to know what they are and why. Yes. Again, give people information so that they understand why you have the rules you Right. Have. Yeah, there's nothing uh, worse times, than just telling kids, that's it. <laughs> they don't respect yeah, you for they, that. No. Especially when they're older than that. <laughs> and then I have seen a lot of families, like people carry a lot of baggage. And sometimes, if depending on their own background, they're like thinking their kids are going to make the same choice. Oh, yeah. Right. Or bad. And it's like, realize that your children are not you. Yes. They are. They grew up differently from you. You can't just come down hard on them because you wish someone had on you. Or like, I just have a good friend who just went through that struggles with her teenage daughter because she had some bad experiences as a teen, mm-hmm. and she did not want those to be the same experiences that her daughters had. Right. But she was so rigid about it; she didn't give her daughter a chance to make some small mistakes of her own. Yes. So I recently had a friend that called me to ask about uh, rules for sleepovers. It was a teenage thing, young teenagers, and it was rules for sleepovers and what my opinion was on it and stuff. And one of the things I said to her was that you, at this time, you know, as you have young teenagers, you need to kind of sit down as parents and reevaluate your rules because sometimes we have rules just because that's what we've always had. Or like Melody was saying, it's because that's what your parents did. So then you feel like you should do the same thing and you don't really have a concrete reason, you know, for those rules. It's just because that's the rule. And so even as parents, before you tell your kids what the rules are, maybe sit down and reevaluate. Times are different than when you were a teenager. Your rules might need to be different than when you were a teenager for your own children. And dating is a huge area where we all in each family need to make our own decisions about what our rules are. For And as your kids, you know, if you have multiple kids, they might change also from one kid to the other. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what kind of rules have you guys had for dating throughout your teenage years at your house? Well, my rule was you cannot go on a single date, just the, my child and a person they want to date alone until 16. Mm -hmm. And I felt like that was important because by the time they got to 16, they were a little more emotionally strong. Um, They could say, you know, advocate for themselves. Whereas younger teens, uh, you know, they don't want to make waves or they feel uncomfortable saying something that's contrary. And so I felt like doing group things until 16 was a better choice for my family. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they couldn't go on a date, a car date or a a date with somebody until they were 16. Um, And then they had to bring the person in. Now, my, my two sons didn't really date. But the girls were really interested. I found that the girls were really interested in dating. <laughs> and um, and they had, the boy had to come in my house and meet me and my husband. Uh, I had told me, like, they, my daughter needs to be home at this time. And mm-hmm. I needed their parents' phone number. Mm-hmm. So that, um, and I, if my, my daughter uh, was going to go the, to the boy's house to hang out, I definitely wanted the parents' phone number to make sure a parent was going to be home. Right. So that, you know kids and their emotions and their hormones couldn't get them into trouble <laughs> but, you know within you can you could still do things i i did not want my kids to get themselves into situations where they made a decision that would 
irretrievably change their lives, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was, I was trying to protect them. And for us at that age of 16 worked pretty well. And my middle daughter, she had a, a pretty serious boyfriend and he was really nice. We, he came to the house. We, we got to know him quite well mm-hmm. for our family, but other people may have different parameters. What, what about you, Jen? Well, we really didn't have any set rules about dating in our house. It was, you know, it's probably not surprising with our uh, schooling <laughs> background, but uh, yeah, we never really had set rules about ages or, you know, if you could go out alone and things like that. We didn't have the rules in place, but I would say that my kids, some of my kids didn't date until they were adults. Some of my kids started having boyfriends or girlfriends, you know, at 12 and and that was just, you know, really just hanging out with friends, you know, at that mm-hmm. age. But, and because of the environment that my kids have been in the whole time, it was usually people we were already around and already knew that they evolved into having relationships. So I was always very comfortable because I knew the parents and things like that. Uh, when they started maybe getting a little older and were dating people that I didn't necessarily know, then I did make a point of knowing the parents. But Mm-hmm. But there was never a, we didn't have a rule of like, you know, I have to meet them first or any of that stuff. I just made it happen, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's worked for us. And it, and for my family, we're very, very open and talk a lot about all sex and how to protect yourself and all mm-hmm. of that early on. And so it was never an uncomfortable conversation at our house. So as far as like protecting them from any kind of bad choices surrounding those kind of issues, the way we, we felt in our family to protect them was to discuss it and tell them all their options and uh, make things available for safe sex in our house so that if they didn't feel that they could ask us that they had the availability to get condoms or other things that they might need. And those are really, really tough subjects to talk about because, you know, your kids, when they're 10, you're not wanting to think about that, you know? Right. Well, when you're 10, like Liam says, oh, I think so-and-so has a crush on me. And I said to him yesterday, what do you, what does that mean to you? Right. Right. Yeah. What does that mean? And he said something, somebody was sexy and I'm like, um, I don't think what you need to use that term right now. You know, we're, uh, yeah, I was like, mm, you, you, that's not an appropriate conversation for you to be having, <laughs> you know, but he doesn't know anything doesn't. about exactly. what that might mean, you know. And you, but you start laying the groundwork. And for Mm -hmm. us, we started that young because I think for us, since we know we don't have strict rules, we just want to make sure that they're aware of all the things that can happen and how to Mm -hmm. protect themselves from those situations. Melody, what did you guys do at your house for dating rules? So sort of like you didn't really have any rules and Holly has indefinite rules. We were somewhere in the Mm -hmm. middle and it, it worked well. Like my some of my kids were not interested at all. And for some of them, like the right person hasn't come along and they're fine. With yeah. That. So it just, it kind of depends on each kid. Some kids are really social butterflies. They want to be out there and be in all the groups. And some people are like, nah, it's <laughs> not my thing. So I'm somewhere in between. I always felt like having rules was good because my mother, she had she's very inconsistent. Mm -hmm. And so I felt very confused and aggravated by my mother's inconsistency. Mm -hmm. And so I thought to myself, you know what, I'm just going to have some rules and everybody's going to know what they are. 
and then we can exist within those rules. And it worked really well for us. They didn't have to wonder. I, I grew up with, you know, one day something was fine and the next day it wasn't. Right. And because it was hard for me, uh, I was like, you know, I just, we just need family rules. Mm -hmm. And, and that I think helped us all to be on the same page, whether they liked that rule or not. Um, we knew what it was, you know, <laughs> so we could we could work within right. that framework. Dating opens up a whole new world of emotional issues, and as parents, new things, new ways you have to support your children, and it can be really difficult. We've been through some hard times with our teenagers dealing mm -hmm. with their first heartache mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, do you have any tips for people on how to help kids when they're First, you know, learning how to date and navigate that type of a relationship. That's one one realm of emotional issues, you know, because you're going to have mm -hmm. to tell them like this. Oh, I heard somebody recently. It was really funny. Oh, it was like a little it was a TikTok, a funny guy. And he said, OK, uh, he's pretending to be a high school counselor addressing the kids on the first day of school. And he was like, okay, uh, you need to know that that boy to your right and that girl to your left that you think looks really good, you might date them. You're not going to end up marrying them. You know, and it was just really, but that's like, that's really truthful. Like very few people that you meet when you're in high school, do you end up marrying there? So when, when inevitably it doesn't work out, that's just a normal course of life, you know, and, and telling the kids like, you're going to feel like you've been punched in the stomach, but eventually you'll feel better. Yeah. You know, like just. And then everybody's been through that. Everybody's mm -hmm. been through it. Yeah. I remember when my middle daughter, she was dating this guy and we really liked him, but I knew I saw the hand ring on the wall because he was like a year ahead of her. Mm -hmm. And so he graduated, went off to college. She started her senior year and he was away at college for a few weeks. He broke up with her. And she mm -hmm. just fell into my arms sobbing. She oh, was so heartbroken. Hard. I know. I cried with her. Yes. I cried for her. Um, and I said, I know you feel horrible right now. And I watched her. I watched her because, you know, kids can go through a breakup and they're really sad. Mm -hmm. But they should start coming out of it. But right. if they don't, that's something different. That's important. Mm -hmm. You know, that's important to watch them and to be ready and to talk to them about, you know, you, you might feel really sad. But what if you feel like this? Right. You know, then you might be you might be having something more serious because uh, kids get, you know, kids in high school, they have depression. Yes. They have anxiety and they a lot of times we don't see it when they're kids. Right. But all of a sudden it shows up because there's more reasons to be you know anxious. Mm -hmm. There's more reasons that can cause you to be depressed. Um, you know, they may have identity issues you don't know about. Right. Um, and they might not know it themselves. But I mean, there's lots going on there. And you mm -hmm. really have to watch them. And you know, if they're withdrawing. Yes, absolutely. Which sometimes it's hard to tell in the teenage years, because part of, you know, normal teenage years is, you know, the grumpiness and the sleeping more and withdrawing a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, and that's true. My oldest daughter, um, I thought I thought a lot of her moodiness in high school was just that, you know, just a hormonal teenager right. moodiness. Mm -hmm. um, as an adult, she has discovered and I have learned she suffers from anxiety, mm -hmm. but I didn't know the signs of it. then. Right. I know a lot more now. And my poor guinea pig daughter, you know, <laughs> I, I just right. didn't know. I tried to support as much as I could, but I didn't know that that was anxiety. And actually it was present when she was little and I right. picked up from her pre-K and I'd say, how was your day? And she'd put her hand up and she'd say, don't talk to me. She mm -hmm. had already been through the ringer by the time yeah, I saw yeah. her. Um, so, you know, uh, 
yeah, those those things, your happy-go-lucky kid might not be happy-go-lucky. Maybe they all right. of a sudden start wearing long sleeves mm-hmm. and they're cutting because they have big emotions they don't know how to deal with. Like, you got to really watch them um, and, be, and, and try yeah. to keep those lines of communication open so you can help them through that hard, hard stuff. That you might not be prepared for. And that's one of the ways you can prepare for that is to read and, you know, learn mm-hmm. about what signs are for mental health issues um, mm-hmm. and how to handle them when you when you do have them come up, because they will come up. I mean, I, you know, for us, we have a lot of children. Uh, I've had, you know, with eight teenagers, I've had all of these issues come up. We've had depression. We've had anxiety. We've had I've had a child do cutting like all of these things come up. And mm-hmm. if you know, at least some resources to point yourself and your child to when things arise, you'll, you'll be off to a much better start and handling it. Yeah. And some kids, you know, they, they handle their emotional issues by, um, you know, by taking drugs. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, homeschool families are, I know a lot of people start homeschooling, they're like, oh, Life is going to be great. <laughs> These things will oh, happen. Oh, we're going to be, right? yeah. we're not, yeah. But you know, um, they do happen. Yes. Um, they do happen and they happen in families where parents are the most loving parents they can be because, mm-hmm. but you can't, your love can't fix those no. kind of problems. No. You know, but getting resources yes. and, and knowing people who've been through that, that can help you help your kid. That's what you need. Yeah. And I think talking about mental health openly, and just like you do about physical health. Mm-hmm. And luckily we live in a time now where it is more openly discussed and there's a lot more resources available, but don't make it a shameful topic in your house. Talk about it on a regular basis mm-hmm. as your kids are younger too, talking right. about how mm-hmm. you feel and why you feel that way and start it off early so that your kids are comfortable talking to you. And remember that you're, you're, your mom friends often have resources that yes. you might not mm-hmm. realize or they've been through things or they know a family member or something yes. like that. And sometimes your friends are going to see things going right. on with your kids that you're too mm-hmm. close to the situation mm-hmm. and you might not see it. So you kind of, if a, it is good to be that friend who can say, Hey, I need to ask you about so-and-so, or I'm a little concerned about, you know, yeah. your son or your daughter, or I've noticed this. And mm-hmm. we need to be open yes. to that input from our friends because they care too. We also, as parents, need to rely on our own friendships with other people to help us. Because when your mm-hmm. child, when your teenager is going through something difficult, it's very hard. And you need to also talk about it. And talking about it with other parents mm-hmm. is really helpful. And I know that when I, uh, some of my kids had struggles, uh, sometimes I felt like, you know, maybe I had done something to cause that mm-hmm. um, right. or that I, I wasn't um, attentive enough or mm-hmm. whatever. And then you can become isolated Yes, when you, you know, and, and that can't help your child or you. Right. Uh, the best thing I uh, ever have found and it, it bothers some people is I just say what's going on honestly in my family, you know, right. be like, well, we are mm-hmm. having this struggle or this has happened. And sometimes people look at you like, wow, I can't believe you talked about that. But later on, Somebody would come to you and say, oh, you know, I really appreciate that you were honest. Yeah, about that. I personally, I've had struggles myself with uh, throughout some of my teenagers because there becomes a point where you can't do that because they ask you not to. And they ask you not mm-hmm. to talk to other people about what's going on with them. And even, you know, and that's that is 
that's very difficult because you still need to be able to reach out and discuss what's going on in your house. And I, like you, always have felt like being open and honest about, you know, mm-hmm. my family is, is important and it helps me. But sometimes at, with teenagers, you have to, you can't do that as much because they, they want their privacy and you have to respect that as well. I might talk to my uh, to my rector at my church right, or right. Um, maybe if there's a counselor that you have a relationship with, mm-hmm. somebody that can can be that for you right. if your kids have asked you. And and sometimes I've shared situations, but I haven't said my child's Details. name. Right, right. You know, like uh, like there are people I, I know through homeschooling now that don't know any of my older kids. Yeah. You know, and I might say, well, you know, we right. discovered that some some of my kids had anxiety right. and this is what that looked like you know i'm not I'm definitely not getting into yeah. personal details but just sharing that you know you've gone through struggles or your kids and mm-hmm. that that's normal yes in homeschooling because we feel like we have to be so picture perfect yeah don't be ashamed or everybody. embarrassed about any kind of mental health issues and and honestly it's good for your teenagers also to see that you are not ashamed or embarrassed of their mental health issues because it is just like a physical health issue you wouldn't be ashamed to say oh you my kid arm. yeah my kid has a broken yeah. arm it's the same thing it's just as important yeah. it's equal to that um so really don't just talk about it with your family but also be open and honest and and share your experiences with other people who are going through it if you can. It's important. It's important to let your kids tell you stuff. Um, I used to try to tell my mom. I'd be like, oh, I feel really stressed out. I told my mom one time, I feel like I'm getting an ulcer, and I really would like to see a counselor. My parents had a very acrimonious relationship, and they mm-hmm. argued a lot. And my mom said, oh, you're fine. Oh, yeah, that's I rough. most certainly was that's not rough. fine. You know, yeah. So, so you know, I I learned I couldn't tell her. I couldn't tell her this stuff because she thought everything was fine. You know, um, yeah. Listen, you might listen not know to what to do kids. with what mm-hmm. they tell you. You could say, "Man, that is really rough. That's hard yeah, to feel that let way." Let me figure you it know? out. Yeah, <laughs> let me figure it out. But don't say, "No, you're gonna be fine." <laughs> you know. Oh, uh, yeah. That's hard. That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> oh. We have anything else we want to cover? I don't know. I feel emotional. I know. I'm like, oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so one of the things I try to do with my teens was to get into their world. So when my oldest daughter, um, she did go to public high school for a while. She tried out for the dance team. And she came, she made the dance team, which just, um, she was so I was like, wow, that's amazing because she had not taken a dance lesson. <laughs> but she proceeded to teach me all the dances and I had to learn. Yeah, them. I got into oh, her world. Yeah. yeah. When my uh, when my um, middle son got into Kung Fu, the Kung Fu um, studio was pretty far from our house and he didn't drive at the time. And so I took him to all his lessons and I watched all of them and, and I, you know, I, I bought him some of his weapons and I, mm-hmm. I really got into his Kung Fu world. Yeah. I loved watching it. I would be like, yeah. don't, please don't explain to me exactly why that move would rip somebody's trachea out. <laughs> you know, I don't want to know that part, but I always tried to get really involved with yeah. my kids in something yes. they were doing. 
I love that. I feel like we forget to keep playing with our kids as they get older. And that's important. You need to. That's a good point. Right. And it also gives you a place to interact with them that's not where you're telling them what to do. Yes. You know, my daughter come home. Hey, I learned this. Come try this dance. Yeah. Okay, great. We made mums together because in Texas, that's a thing. If y'all aren't from Texas, (laughs) if y'all aren't from Texas, Google homecoming mums and you will be amazed. It's crazy and fun. Um, you know, when my middle daughter was into 4-H, uh, you know, I, I became a 4-H yeah. leader and we went to all kinds of things yeah. and we were a million percent into the big pig belt buckles, as she called it, because she wore these belt buckles, <laughs> making foods, you know, but whatever your kids are interested in doing, yeah, you know, make those ties, sit down with them and watch a movie and talk about it. My mm-hmm. youngest daughter loves her some movies. We talk about character development in the mm. movies and we go to see movies, take a nap and go to a midnight movie with your kid. <laughs> do stuff, yes, do stuff that. with your teens I love because all that. that is going to help their emotional well-being. And you're going to, you're worried when they go into teen years that you're going to lose your connection with them. And you don't have to. No, I think I got deeper connections. Uh, Yeah. I think. uh, Oh, I learned so many things. Yes. I've heard so many times that whole, like, your kids need to know you're not their friend, you're their parent. And I I feel like I I hate that message because I feel like, especially in the teenage years, you're their parent and their friend. You can do both of those things. Be their friend by having fun with them and be, you know, those kind of things that you're saying. You can always be both. Well, you know what I used to tell my kids? Um, they would say, like, I I hate you or whatever yeah. or, or, mm-hmm. and whatever. And I'd say, you know what? Uh, you're going to have a lot of friends in your life. They're going to come and go. But I'm your mom. And that's a really special place yeah. I'm honored to have. Yes. So I would say, you know, I'm not your friend. I'm better than your friend because I'm, <laughs> I'm going to love you no matter friend. what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm your friend that's going to be with you forever. Yeah. But yeah. um but you know it's it is important to let your kids bring you into their world mm-hmm. you know and if if they want to stay up until midnight i used to joke with yes. someone like, we can't start a conversation after midnight cuz i have got I, to have some I sleep i tell people i get but, much yeah. less sleep within the teenage years than you when do. they were babies <laughs> you do you do and it's wonderful though it's because they're it willing is. to spend time with you that way yeah, my, my middle daughter still, she's 32. When she comes for a visit, she'll text me and say, I can't wait to get to your house and sit on the floor in the kitchen and talk to you. Because <laughs> that's where we that. always had our yeah. big conversations. Yeah. yeah, she'd sit on the floor and I'd be right. doing stuff and we'd just mm-hmm. talk and talk and talk. It's the best. It is. <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned this yet, but since we're talking about, you know, being the parent, um, you can also be that person. Sometimes they want... They need someone to rescue them from a situation. Mm-hmm. Like they might be feeling oh, take pressured the blame. to do something. Yeah. Yes. yes. And yeah. we had that situation with one of my children. Where I just finally told her, I was like, look, you can just say, my mom won't let me. Right. And I was happy to be the bad guy. And it helped her to get out. Somebody wanted her to do something that someone else should be doing, not mm-hmm. her. And um, I was happy to be that one. And there was some follow-up from that. I mean, I found out later. Someone was like, well, why wouldn't you? And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> she 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 played that card, and it was fine. <laughs> but also, like, we are still there to be there. Yeah. Like sometimes they need someone to help them yes. be able to say no. Like if someone is not telling taking their no, mm-hmm. they can trust us to say yes. Mom says no, or dad, or whatever. But since we're talking about you know being the parent, 
And then I am happy to say that we we made it through all of those ten years with all of our kiddos, and we still all like each yeah. other. And they they come over, and I feel like we we weathered some rough places, mm-hmm. but right. because of all of the things that we've hit upon today, and um, you get through to the other end, you're still you know you still have a relationship mm-hmm. once you've gotten through the end of school, and you've helped them maneuver all those emotional and social needs and all the things that happen but you come out on the other side and you've only strengthened your relationship yeah they you've shared experiences so yeah i hope that my kids are more equipped for their parenting years when their children get Mm -hmm. that age i think that we learned something we learned all together yeah and I'm, you know, people make mistakes. It's fine. You learn on each other. <laughs> right. And then you do better the next time. One of the things um, I almost forgot to say that I always told my kids is that, you know, I, I really don't want you to go out and drink or do things like that. But if you are out and you're with somebody and you all have been drinking, mm-hmm. you call me. Yes. And I will come and get oh, you. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. And we'll talk about it the next day. Yeah, you need to be you their know, safe but, space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You don't want right. them to be like, like I remember that I, of course I I walked home, but I went down to my boyfriend's house, and he um he decided we would uh, have some wine, so he poured some Mad Dog Twenty Twenty, <laughs> which is really <laughs> terrible, and and I'm drinking like a coffee cup of it, and my mom calls and says I have to come home. Well, it was just down the street. And I had to go home and I got in a lot of trouble. Um, you know, it wasn't even a good idea to walk home. <laughs> no. Um, you know, but no. I didn't have that. I didn't have that. My mom was going to rescue me kind yeah, of Yeah, you didn't feel like you were going to get the love first. And then, yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully all of the things we've covered today will help people, you know, navigate a little bit easier through the teenage years at their house. But I really... I really hope people embrace their the teenagers because I I've loved it. I think teenagers are amazing and it's so rewarding. You get you get to see all the work you've put in to help you raise children and it all comes back to you in so many wonderful ways. Here at the end of our podcast, we often answer a big question. Melody, what's today's big question? Well, today's big question is a bit of an epilogue to today's topic of parenting teens. Our big question for today is, how do you parent adults? Whew, that's a big one. Uh, <laughs> well, so it is kind of interesting. I remember thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to get my kids to 18 and then my job will be done. Ha ha ha. Really it's, it really isn't. But <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to say, okay, my oldest is going to be 37. And I still, I'm still relevant in her life. So that's really, I get, I get, yeah, every, like every week it's, Hey, can I have that recipe? Hey, I have a gardening question for you. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, and all my kids are like that. So you still get to be relevant, Um, but you can't tell them what to do. So So that's a little hard. It is hard. It is hard, but you have, you can, you can now when your kids are adults, actually be their friend yeah my kids and I love to hang out and play Mm -hmm. games and Mm -hmm. you know have a glass of wine and watch movies and oh we we really are friends yeah and they still value my input and Mm -hmm. and that's the thing about parenting adults you know you can you can give them they ask you a question you give them some advice 
Um, and they may or may not take it. Right. But they still look to you as a source of some kind of information, mm-hmm. emotional, you know, my all adults have emotional needs and my kids will often reach out to me. Yeah. You know, and and, and so um being a parent to an adult child is really the fruit of all that hard work. I will say I've been through that uh, the last couple of years, the transition from teenager to adulthood with four of my kids. And that transition is really hard, I think, mm-hmm. uh, when they first are their own true own person who doesn't have to listen to you, uh, <laughs> doesn't want to listen to you. That that immediate transition is difficult to go through as a parent because it is suddenly Was a time with them in or out of the house. Both. I think both. Because it's harder if they live with you. In the house is hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I've had mine in and out. So it's been both. Mm -hmm. Um, And you, you know, obviously you get through it and you, like you said, the rewards are amazing, but it Mm -hmm. it is rough because your role completely changes. That's, that's what's hard. It does, but it's kind of, it is a gradual change or for us, it was gradual because they slowly say, you know, just because they magic turned 18 they didn't magically all of a sudden just be in charge of everything it was really a shift (laughs) and like they would have a job but I might still be the transportation Mm -hmm. to get there and then I had some expectations it's like now you can contribute to the household expenses and we had all those conversations where slowly you're still giving them more and more responsibility it wasn't for us it wasn't an overnight change Mm -hmm. now the ones who married and moved out that was different Mm -hmm. They were adults. They were they had their own household, but it was like Holly mentioned earlier. We're still talking about how do I handle this? Yeah. What do I do with this? What's the recipe for that? I forgot how we made chili or whatever. Right. And so, like that was a it was different if I had those adult children living in the house with me or if they had their own household. But it still was kind of a gradual shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Unless they leave also. abruptly, which yeah, <laughs> unless they leave happens. abruptly, yeah. that's rough on everyone. That's rough yeah. on everyone, We've and then they too. then they feel like they have a lot to prove. Yeah, they kind of have a little chip on their shoulder. Yeah, right. And then you just weather the storm yeah. until they come back to port. Yeah, I think the hardest for me was having my middle daughter go off to college. Mm-hmm. So um, she she was like, "Hey, don't change anything about my room." Um, but she didn't want to be she didn't want to be there there, yeah yeah we we kept a bedroom for her for a couple years and then we turned it into a guest room Mm -hmm. and then she was finally okay with that um but having her go off to school and she didn't know what she didn't know she was an 18 year old Mm -hmm. and then we had to we had to go through okay well if you want me to help you you have to sign a paper that tells the school they can tell me your business yes this has been Um, my last year in depth yeah yeah yeah. that's really challenging you know and then um when she she came home i think uh over the labor day weekend because she she missed home and we missed her so Mm -hmm. she'd gone like three weeks come home and then i think the next time she came home was much later maybe closer to her her winter break and i thought wow, she talks a lot. I had gotten used to so much quiet because the, the my my other kids that were at home, two of them were guys. They weren't that talkative. So it was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how much talking. And 
and how much my brain needed some <laughs> some rest. So you know when so they funny. go when they go and they come back and all. It's, <laughs> you it's also hard that reentry. Yeah, yeah yes. the reentry. Yeah, so there's some negotiating that goes back there and is. forth depending, you know. But it's delightful to see them find out yeah. what they want to do and see them growing as people in their adult years and, yeah. and still being part of it. You grow your own friends. I think we've said that before. Mm-hmm. You know. I think also as homeschoolers, for me, I feel like it's our lifestyle as homeschoolers has really contributed to us having good relationships with our our kids as they become adults. Uh, We really know each other. We know each other so Mm -hmm. well, you know, and and I think that's really uh, made a positive impact on it. It's the best. If you have any homeschooling questions or comments, you can email us at happyhomeschoolpod at gmail.com. You can message us on Instagram at instagram.com slash happyhomeschoolpod. And you can follow our page and join our group on Facebook at facebook.com slash happyhomeschoolpod. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Jennifer. I'm Melody. I'm Holly. Happy Happy homeschooling. homeschooling. Hi, this is your host, Jennifer Jones. Thank you for listening to the Happy Homeschooler podcast, a transcript maker production. My co-hosts are Holly Williams-Urbach and Melody Gillum. This podcast was produced by Matthew Bass and edited by Nora Williams. Our graphic design is by Pete Soloway, and our music is by The Great Pangolin. You can find more of her work on YouTube and Twitter at Kylie Wins. That's K-A-I-L-E-Y Wins. If you'd like to help our podcast grow, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or, as always, tell people about us. I love that word pitfalls. I'm like, how many people are falling into a pit that had become a word?